0: I love that we have New Year's. You know, in, when you're in school, New Year's is basically um, it's basically September or August when you go back to school. But really, then you get, you get older and you find out that New Year's is really in January. Um, but there's, it's kind of this natural time to look back over, and, and we did that last week, looking back over uh, just the amazing things that God has done in our lives, where we've experienced His grace in our lives um, but it's also an opportunity to look forward, and an opportunity to um, once again the annual attempt to order our lives a little better. Uh, does that resonate with anyone else? <laughs> um, every year in January, uh, we all we all get real disciplined for a real short period of time. Um, but you know what? It, it, and and I think I think we all probably experience a season where we just say, you know what? I'm just I'm just not even going to do that. Like it never sticks, and it makes me look stupid, so I'm just not going to do it. Um, but in reality, if you try a lot of new things and a, few of, and a couple of them stick, that's a net gain, right? And so I think it's, it's valuable for us to take a look at our lives and, and kind of take stock of how we might better order them to align with God's word and what he says in it. So as we approach God's word this morning, let's, um, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you that we can read it and learn about you, we can study it and and probe the depths of this ocean of wisdom that we can never really fully fathom. And yet, God, you have given it to us in a way that is understandable. And it is a worthwhile pursuit. And so I pray this morning as we open your word and seek to not just study it and not just understand it, but to apply it to our lives, that you will help each one of us to see where we can order our lives better. By putting the first things first. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're returning to the Sermon on the Mount. This was, um, for those, if you're if you're not familiar with Neighborhood Church, or if you're if you're visiting or haven't been here that long, one of the things that we um, like to do is we, we one of the ways that we teach through the Bible is that we um, we'll teach through some books very quickly and kind of do an overview, and we'll teach through some passages very slowly. And uh, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount since. A while ago, um, we started back in on chapter five, verse one, and we've been w- working our way through it. and And it's good to it's good to sometimes do an overview, but it's sometimes really profitable to take the time to slowly look at the words of Scripture and really pick it apart. And one of the things that that I want to do this morning. Is to kind of look back. We're not going to go over the whole thing, but but one of the things that I realized as I was studying this passage, we're going to be specifically in chapter six, verses nineteen through twenty four, of Matthew. And one of the things that I realized this this section that we're studying this morning is like a it's like a mid season finale of a show. It's 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 the it's he's he's been he's been talking about what seemed like a lot of different things through most of chapter 6. And, and, and he's about to tie them all together in a way that shows that he was actually talking about one thing the whole time. And, um, and, and he's going he's gonna to kind of kind of conclude, bring all the ideas together in this passage. And next week we're going to look at how he then takes that and applies it to our lives. Um, it is not the end of the Sermon on the Mount. that It goes on through chapter 7 as well. Um, but this is kind of the, the wrapping up of one idea. And so let's go ahead and read the passage here. He says, Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, it really feels like we just read about three totally different, unrelated things, doesn't it? Can we all just admit it? It, feels, it does feel like that. And I want to... Um, well, first I want to say what an incredible privilege it is to get to study scripture for my profession. I don't know that I would have seen, I didn't, I don't know that I would have seen easily what we're going to talk about this morning if I didn't have that privilege, and so I'm I'm very thankful for that, but... um, There are some good lessons about the specific things that seem to be different. For instance, he starts out, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, so there is, um, <laughs> you think, think of the illustration of the, um, the guy that's real suspicious of the government stashing cash under his mattress. And, you know, 50 years later, you know, the grandkids are cleaning out the house and find it. It's like, wow, that's cool. Unfortunately, all that cash is worth a lot less than it was when he put it under the mattress. And so <laughs> what seemed to be a safe way to uh, protect this investment, in fact, it, the, the investment has corrupted all by itself. You know, just due to inflation and things like that, the dollar isn't worth what it was worth before. Now, if he'd got gold, that'd have been a different story. But anyway, that's a that's a, <laughs> for another day. But the 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 point is that there are there is a natural law that God has built into creation that everything around us is passing away. There are only two things in this world that last forever, and I. I Try to say this frequently: the word of God and the souls of men. Everything else that you can touch, see, and feel here on this planet is going away. And obviously, you know, you, you think of you think of the uh, you know treasure that's just like you know been lost in the ocean. I mean, it's it's gone unless you can find it. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, they, they do these archaeological digs and they find, they find uh, you know, sometimes they'll find a, a little cache of, of coins. It was, uh, it was very common in those days, um, in, the, in, the, in antiquity, it was very common when an invading army was coming, first of all, they were on foot, so like you, you had a little bit of time, um, not a lot of time always, but like, you know, the, you'd, you'd see them coming or somebody up on the mountain would see them coming and they'd alert everybody, okay, you've got at best half a day. So you'd take all your valuables and you'd go dig a hole out in your field and bury it and, you know, make some kind of a note of where it was. Well, you know, so that if you get, if you have to run and hide in the hills, someday you can come back and recover your treasure. So this, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, finding treasure in a field like that, that actually, Jesus talks about that. You know, somebody's, somebody's farming in a field, they find treasure, they cover it back up and go and like, they they spend everything they have to buy that field because they know the value in it. That's not a hypothetical situation. That was something that would actually happen. You'd be plowing your field. And, What's that? Um, that's some of the advantages of living in a place where people have you know lived a lot longer. Um, but it's interesting. We dig up some of those coins now. And while certainly, you know, an ancient coin has some value as a collector's item if you're even allowed to sell it or whatever, you know, it has some value just because it's super old, it doesn't have the same value that it had. It was minted by a government that no longer exists, that no longer backs that. It's You know, and, and so, point being, physical treasure in whatever form is passing away. You can You can invest poorly, you can invest in, you know... Whatever, a company that, uh, hey, come on now. All right, cryptocurrency, yeah, all right. uh, <laughs> uh Yeah, some of us have uh, amassed and lost and uh, over and over again, small fortunes in the crypto. <laughs> all right, that's a great example, actually. Um, or, you know, like an energy company, like en- Enron. Anyway, um, I hear it's a good investment. But you can, there's all kinds of ways that we can, Lose a fortune because the things on this earth are passing away. Similarly, um, stuff, material possessions, they're all breaking down. Um, you know, it's interesting. they, they um, It's really cool. I don't know if you follow any archaeological stuff, but in Egypt there's this valley. I forget the name of it. Um, and I probably can't pronounce it because it's in Arabic, but you know, there's this whole valley where they've decided, you know what, we think there was actually a lot of burials here, and they found tons of new tombs that are relatively untouched because they got buried by you know bunches of sand. And you know, they, they find all this stuff in it. And, and, and it's amazing, all of the material possessions that they packed into these tombs, and you dig them up, and like, anything that was made of wood is now basically powder, Anything that, you know, some of it's remarkably well-preserved, but it's just, you know, time and weather take its toll. And eventually, there just isn't anything left. Everything on this earth is passing away. And to, and to, obviously, the lesson isn't just about money. The lesson is about what we put our effort toward, the thing that we have strived for so hard for so much of our lives, is if that's the thing that was the all-consuming passion of our lives, let's say we made good investments and made a fortune and passed it on to our, our heirs and our descendants and all of that. And Jesus comes back. What's, it, what's that treasure worth? Let's just take it all the way to that. What's that treasure worth now? Because need I remind us, he is coming back. And everything on this earth is passing away when he does. Do you have an account in the heavens with a balance that will be good in that kingdom? And, and, that, and that's, that's kind of his point. And, and again, I want to stress the point is not about money. Not specifically. Not specifically it's a language that people understand people in the first century Israel understood the concept of money they understood illustrations that involved money they dealt with it a lot and they were pretty good at it they had biblical principles for finances they made wise investments by anyway I have to go into why um, why the uh, Jewish bankers were so successful but but that's Let's be honest. The Bible taught some great principles about finance. Um, <clears throat> the illustration isn't just about money, and he, and he goes on and talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. So, if your eyes, what's, what's he talking? Why is now he's shifted gears completely? Why is he talking about the eye? I want to submit that he's talking about what you are focused on, the thing that you are that you are consumed by, the thing that you are investing in not just with your money but your time what is what is your life all about your eye is the thing that you look at things with it's the thing that you are he's talking about that part of you that is fixated on something else are you fixated on light or darkness see what, what i'd like to do is 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 look at look at what we have what we have talked about in the previous series throughout chapter 6 and make a point here so, go with me here quickly. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he, he, he says at the beginning beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then, if you do, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Talking about a reward. And then he, he, he you know, giving to the needy. You know, don't do it like the hypocrites who do it so that they may be praised by others. I tell you, truly I say to you, they have received their reward, their return on their investment. They made an investment. They have received the return. And it was the praise of man. It was fame, the respect of their peers, attention. They invested. That was their return. And he contrasts that by saying, do it when you give to the needy. Don't let the left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Investing in a different place. It's not the money that's being put in the offering plate. It's the heart behind it. It's, it's what the eye is focused on. It's amazing how the same act invests in two different places, depending on the heart. Uh, crazy thing, God doesn't need your money. He, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he knows that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. The things that we invest in and how we invest in those things reveal something About our hearts, we've said it before, and other other times we've talked about money. If you want to see something about your value system, just print off your bank statement and go through it line by line, and it will reveal to you values in your life that you may you may or may not um, like, but it does tell us something. He goes on when you pray. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The hypocrites who, who stand and, and pray loudly and you know, heap up lots of empty words, they, they have received their reward. They have, by praying, invested in something. And the return on that investment was earthly, was corruptible, is going away. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Invest a different way, receive a different return. and in, An imperishable return, one that is not going away. It, in the, you, you, and, and, and receive a reward from our Father in heaven eternal, who when he comes and sets up his kingdom... It will be forever. And he goes on and, and, and gives us a model for prayer, and, and, he, and he goes on and he, and he talks about forgiveness and how we ought to forgive others. God will forgive us. That's real important. The king who is coming to set up his kingdom, we can have a clean slate, a balanced account, if you will, with him. And then he talks about fasting. Back to the same, the same model. Fast this way, invest wrongly, receive a cheap reward. I, I, I love the phrase: "Play stupid games, win stupid prizes." Invest poorly, receive poor returns. Invest wisely, receive imperishable, eternal returns. And so when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, he is using the idea of money and investment to wrap up the idea that he's been talking about this whole chapter, about where we invest and from whence we receive our rewards, from whom are we receive our rewards. If you receive the adoration of your peers, well, congratulations. That's what you got. When you could have invested differently and received in return a deeper intimacy with your heavenly father. Who is coming again. Same thing. Invested in different places. Can, can we, are, are, we big, are we beginning to agree that Jesus is not really talking about money here? He's using money to illustrate this thing about spiritual investment. You see, the word that is used at the very end of this this passage in verse 24, he says, you cannot serve God and money. The word that is translated money there is the word money. Mammon and if you have an older maybe a King James um, translation some of the older translations will actually have that word in there instead of money and the reason is it's one of those it's one of those ancient Hebrew words that we really don't have a perfect English word for the concept Money does kind of pull it in but but it's really, Mammon, the, the the meaning of it, I have it written down here. is 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 more of a um, it, it is the uh, where did I write it down? Here it is a, a, a thing that you a thing that you trust in, a thing that you idolize. It can have it can it can refer to money, but it refers to money because in many places it's referring to people trusting in money, putting their trust in wealth and so it makes sense to just use the word money there but it, but it's a, but it's a broader concept than that it is the thing that you are fixated on and place your trust and security in you cannot serve god and an idol of the heart you cannot serve god and an idol of the heart and so Take that phrase and now look back over all of these others and we realize that what he is doing is taking an act that can be, ought to be, done in service to God but is often instead used hypocritically in service of self. And what what Jesus is saying is you cannot do both of those things. You can either be grubbing for the attention of your peers or... You can pray to God. You can either be after the admiration and respect of those around you, or you can fast before God and, 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 and have a, a deep, rich prayer life. You can either serve self or you can serve God, but you can't do something that seems to do both and actually accomplish both. If the idol of your heart and your motive to give to missions or the church or to pray in public or to, um, or to fast or what have you, if the motive behind it in your heart deep inside really is to build up self, then congratulations, that's what you got. But you didn't also, you didn't also commune with your Heavenly Father. And that's what Jesus is saying. You cannot do both of those things. God does not Share his glory. To reduce the meaning of that word money is to completely miss the larger point that Jesus is making. He's pulling all of this that he's talked about into this single idea. And, and next week we're going to look at the application of, of this idea about you cannot serve God and money. You cannot look for security in things you can build yourself or and things that God will build for you. You can't do both it's one or the other and the application of that goes to our our mental spiritual and emotional health and well-being in the area of anxiety jesus is going to talk for like an entire paragraph therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life there i spoiled next week's sermon but but here's the thing these things that we idolize these things that we focus our eyes on and 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 throw invest our time our resources our energies into are so often let's be honest so often things that we are trying to find security in we're trying to get our lives together right that that's why that's that's why we do this at the beginning of every year we think oh, I, I, I gotta get my life together all right I'm, I'm 36 this year I'm gonna be grown up I'm finally gonna start Waking up at this time. I'm finally going to, you know, start eating this way. I'm actually going to work out this year. <laughs> I've quit saying that one. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Joel. M- maybe. If Joel's trying to talk me into a into triathlon again. He almost convinced me last year, but then I forgot to do it. Um, <laughs> I keep telling him, hey, I, got, I paid for the swims at the Kelly Rec, and I still have all of them left. <laughs> so... <laughs> But this this thing we do is like I'm going to get my life together, and and why do we want to get our life together? Because if we do, if we get our financial health in order, our, our financial house in order, if we get our physical health um, in a better place, if we um, save up enough money, if we you know get ourselves you know in a better living situation, then we will feel safe and secure. And we'll sleep better at night. I, mean, I mean, this is kind of a principle of having an emergency fund, but like you sleep better at night when you have some expense, you know, a couple months of expenses in the bank. So I've heard. Um, <laughs> you sleep, why do you sleep better at night? Because you find security in it. We feel safe. And some of that is natural. If we, if we don't know where we're going to lay our head tonight, there's going to be some anxiety that goes along with that. Those of us that have families that depend on us—that's um, probably a healthy, <laughs> a healthy motivator to provide for our families. But but the point that they, that Jesus is making is: where do you look for that safety and security? Do you look for it in the respect of your peers? Do you look for it in fame? And attention do you look for it in financial positions? do you look for it in material stuff and that can that can go a lot of different ways. Some, so you know some of us uh, always have to have the best or best looking stuff so that it will look like we have money that we really don't have Some of us use social media in the same way. It's the same thing in a, in a different in a different thing to, to present ourselves in a way that we aren't really. And we talked about that uh, when we looked at the hypocrisy passages. But you cannot serve God and something else. You cannot serve God and self. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and fame. And why do we say serve? Well, look at Romans chapter six, verse sixteen. Romans 6, 16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. That is a very powerful concept. This thing that we pursue, we are not masters of it. It is a master of us. If we are pursuing fame and attention, it controls us. It determines what kind of things are going to work to post on social media. It determines what kind of stuff you buy. It determines how you talk about and how much you talk about yourself. If we are if we're pursuing financial gain or success, it controls us. If that is the thing we pursue. The Bible has all kinds of what we talked earlier, you know, all kinds of stuff about healthy financial principles and, you know, it's it's not wrong to save money. That is biblical. It is not wrong to save up And invest money in such a way that you will leave an inheritance. The Bible says a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. These things aren't wrong. It's not bad. But when that is the focus of your heart, I am going to be, you know, I grew up poor and I'm I'm never going to be like that. That becomes a master that you serve. And God says you cannot serve him and another master. Exodus chapter 20 and if you don't know where we're going uh, you should always know whenever we turn to Exodus chapter 20 that is the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 I know it's verse 3 but it is the first of the Ten Commandments. God spoke these words saying I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Rule number one you Shall have no other gods before me. Can I just submit that in a postmodern culture, although I think they're saying we're even past postmodern, I don't even know what that is, but are we going back to pre-modern? I don't think so where most of our world assumes not the existence of God, I don't want to say most, but but a, a large, loud portion of our world does not assume the existence of God or the supernatural, but assumes some sort of other explanation for anything. There's not a lot of... Okay, there are still a lot in some parts of the world, but like in our culture here in America, there's not tons of people physically bowing down to some altar or idol in their house. And so we think... I can basically skip that one because obviously none of us are doing that. Can I just submit that what Jesus is talking about here directly addresses that. You shall have no other gods before me. You cannot serve God and another master. It's what he's talking about. What do we focus on? Where are we investing? What are we focused on? What are we serving? The psalmist wrote, Meditate on the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to close with this. I've said this before. I will say this continually until I hear other people say it, and then they're like, I'm not sure I heard that. Um, But... (laughs) That verse doesn't mean that if you do your devotions and pray regularly, God will give you whatever it is that you want. It means that when we meditate on the Lord, when we spend time in his word, and we spend time communing with our heavenly father, we begin to come into alignment with him. And one of the first ways we come into alignment with God is we begin to want the things that God wants for our lives. It says he will give you the desires. He's not saying he will give you the object of the desires of your heart. It's saying the desires you have in your heart start to come from God. God gives you the want for new things. You begin to want things you didn't used to want before. You begin to pursue things in a different way. You begin to pray differently. Fast differently. Give differently. You've shifted that investment to a new firm, let's put it that way, um, with lower fees. I think we've exhausted the financial metaphor here. I think we get it. Jesus isn't talking about money. He's talking about the spiritual investment in your relationship with God the Father. That is a personal investment relationship sure it'll spill it'll spill over into the relationships around you but but not because you pursued that but because you pursued your heavenly father you cannot serve God and any other master I'm excited next week to talk about how that concept what we focus on what we invest in what we what we pour our hearts and and everything into, How that translates into health, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. This is very practical teaching. This is not Jesus' greatest hits. Here's a bunch of random stuff Jesus talked about. No, 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 no. We got to hear it the way the first century hearers would have heard it. And this is something they would have totally understood. As he wraps this section up, they realize he was talking about investment the whole time and he wasn't talking about money. So, I want us to get that. And I want us to see next week how that really, really practically translates into our everyday lives. Because the Bible says here the word anxious, and that's not a word we hear in our culture all the time, is it? It's a big one. We pray with me. Father God, thank you for clarity. Thank you for a lens through which to view Scripture, through which we can understand what you are teaching. Thank you that your word has very simple lessons and underneath them, even deeper lessons. God, I pray. That each one of us, myself included, as we we take this first month of the year to kind of reorder our lives, maybe establish some new patterns, try a bunch of things and see what sticks. God, give us the desires of our heart. May the desire to do better come from you. May the areas that we pursue improvement begin first with improvement in our relationship with you. God, thank you so much that you gave us a way to know you. We really can know the king of the universe and call you father. We can approach your throne with our most mundane problems and issues, and you listen because you love us. God, may we not quickly cast that aside. May that be something we pursue with an intensity that looks the same, the same kind of intensity with which the world pursues fame, attention material possessions, riches. God, thank you for your love for us and thank you that love for you grows a healthiness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm